as they head down to the closing stages of Furlong to go in the King stand and as they do so, Nature Strike leading to Acklam Express in second place. Twilight Course coming home in third position, but it is the great Australian sprinter, Nature Strike and James McDonald, and look how far they've won by. Second will go to Twilight Course to Acklam Express, Munista behind those. and then On Kate. Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. What a moment it was for Australian racing. Nature Strip winning the King Stand on Tuesday evening. A fantastic result for jockey James McDonald, who finished the carnival with three winners. And Chris Waller, an amazing uh, year for him, really, when you consider uh, on the back of the, the efforts of Winks winning a Melbourne Cup and now winning internationally in the King Stand Stakes. Ray Thomas with us. Ray, um, just I guess he keeps just rewriting the record books, doesn't he, Chris Waller? And this horse, Nature Strip, he was at his dominant best. Yeah, he does. And what a year is. Your first season, Chris Waller and James McDonald have had. They won the Everest with Nature Strip back in spring. They won the Melbourne Cup with Bill Elegant. They've both trained or ridden 11 Group 1 winners and they've set prize money records for trainers and for jockeys. They've done it all and now they've ticked that Group 1 international box, so to speak, with Nature Strip. And he was absolutely outstanding in the King Stand Stakes. And um, I, you know, it was hard not to be in awe of what Nature Strip did. Uh, certainly the English journalists in the press room were, were staggered that a horse could literally put paid to their best sprinters so quickly, so easily, and, and so ruthlessly. Had that race run a long way out, didn't he, boys? It was mm. great to watch. Yeah. Um, just a, a question here on the text line, Ray. Um, this is from Leo in, in Burwood. Do we know what Nature Strips win rated? I, I don't yet, I must admit. I should try and check that out. So um, it's a really good point because would it have been as high as some of these Australian wins? I'm not sure because um, there's probably a question mark about whether, particularly whether some of those sprinters could measure up for the likes of Eduardo. I know the ownership group of Nature Strip said after the race that they were glad Eduardo wasn't there because he's a horse who really does make life tough for Nature Strip at a 1,000 metres. They might have won one two if they ran in that race last Tuesday, but uh, he was just at his absolute best, Nature Strip. He was dominant. And I thought the um, comment from Chris Wall leading up to the race was really interesting. It sort of stuck in my, my mind, uh, Ryan and Dino, and he said that, we wanted to bring Nature Strip over in 2020 and also in 2021, but the global pandemic prevented that from happening. Now, Nature Strip's a rising eight-year-old, and I was sort of thinking maybe has that window closed, but Chris said that he feels more confident and more comfortable going into that race last Tuesday than he would have been the previous two years, and by that he meant that the Nature Strip of 2022 was a complete racehorse, the complete sprinter, and a horse that was able to sit off the early tempo about um, two years ago, he would have been fiercely trying to go up with the leaders and race with them. But now he's learned to settle just off that speed. He doesn't have to lead and win and just builds into that rhythm. And gee, he was powerful and strong late, wasn't he? Mm. Ray, the Platinum Jubilee Stakes over there where you are on Saturday. Home Affairs faded out of contention, uh, finishing, I think it was 17th. Yeah, it was disappointing, but uh, Tom Magnarangus was leaving the course and it's subsequently been discovered. He's pulled up sore behind, so there, there had to be a reason, didn't there, because he just ran too poorly to be true. He jumped out brilliantly. He was leading for the first half of the race, but he was just gone too far from home, and at least there's 
a reason, if I could say that, for his failure. Very disappointing for the connections of home affairs. But I dare say, given he will be standing at Stud in the Hunter Valley this spring, that he's run his last race now. However, for those viewers who may not, or listeners who may not have a chance to watch the replay of the Platinum Jubilee, watch the run of Artorius. It was absolutely outstanding. He should have won the race. He's ended up dead-heating for third with Campanile. Godolphin has gone 1-2 with Naval Crown and Creative Force for Charlie Appleby. But Artorius, a clear last, is probably about 400 metres out, even probably 350 metres out. Then he started to weave through the field under Jamie Spencer, and he was about to emerge from the ruck and claim the lead when he just got balked and checked about 100, 150 metres out. That cost him the race. But I guess, Ryan and Dino, when you've got a horse who's a back marker like that, and you've got 25 horses, you've got to weave your path through, you're going to need everything to go right for you. And it didn't today, unfortunately, for our tourists, but a massive run to dead heat, beaten only a half length. Ray, what about takeaways from the carnival as a whole with a view to perhaps some of these foreign raiders coming to our shores, perhaps for the spring carnival yeah. or, or maybe even the Everest? Yeah, exactly. Well, just firstly on the Australians, obviously Nature Strip goes into quarantine tomorrow, Sunday, um, England time. He'll be back in two weeks, prepare for the Everest. Artorius now will go to the July Cup and at Newmarket in a couple of weeks. Then he's coming back to Sydney for potentially the Everest and but most definitely the Golden Eagle. That's the main target for him. Now, the Golden Eagle, the English journalists were caught by surprise today because Godolphin had a, a, a very nice win and noble truth and Charlie Appleby said after the race, I'm going to set this horse for the Golden Eagle in Sydney and they were scratching their heads thinking, what, why the Golden Eagle? And he says, worth $10 million. Mm-hmm. Now, he's also got a French 2000 Guinness winner in modern games who he told me last week could potentially come for the Golden Eagle as well. As for the Everest, we saw uh, Godolphin's two horses buy up the finish of the Platinum Jubilee there today. Um, Naval Crown and Creative Force, they're a chance, one or both, to come down for the Everest. And don't forget, the Godolphin do have a slot. I guess, Ryan, the best local horse for Godolphin probably is Paul Lely, but maybe another slot holder might reach out because they've been by Dabawi, both those sprinters of Godolphin, who ran the one to the Platinum Jubilee. They're tough, they're resilient, and they're fast. So they could definitely be Everest contenders. Um, a horse like Broom, who won the Hardwick Stakes, could come down for the Cups this spring in Melbourne, although Aidan O'Brien said more than likely his main aim will be the Japan Cup. But the one thing I did take out of Royal Ascot this week, boys, is that that dual hemisphere competition is back alive and well. The Australians are back at Royal Ascot. They were embraced and welcomed, and indeed it's certainly stoke the competitive buyers in Criswell and Sam Frieden to come back and do well again. But conversely, the English trainers are eyeing our massive prize money in Sydney and Melbourne in spring with a fair bit of envy, and they're planning to attack the Sydney and Melbourne Spring Carnival in numbers this year. So uh, international competition alive and well in horse racing, boys. Ray, one of the more intriguing elements from the week for me was... Peter Volandis, boss of Racing New South Wales, um, getting an audience with Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah, and how did that come about? He won't tell me, and he was also part of the royal procession. But I I think 
some things you've got to keep confidential. I, I think primarily, definitely because of his role at Racing New South Wales as Chief Executive, not so much because of his chairmanship of the AOL, you know, but... Um, uh, look, he's a mover and shaker, isn't he? We know that, Peter, and his um, reputation's worldwide. And and when you are part of that royal procession, um, the carriages up the straight at Royal Ascot, prior to um, uh, going into the carriages, you have lunch with the Queen at Windsor Castle, which backs on to Royal Ascot. So a tremendous honour for Peter and his wife, Philippa. Very few Australians have have been selected to do that royal procession. I know Chris Waller did it a couple of years ago and John Massara did about seven or eight years ago, but it's a very rare honour um, for Peter. And, um, uh, yeah, look, another reason, another sort of reason that Make Australia proud, we had a great, a great royal ascot week. Obviously, nature strip winning, our horses running well, um, some of our stadiums firing many winners. Uh, Peter Bohany has been part of the royal procession. Um Certainly the English knew the Australians were back in town this week. Mm. Ray, I'm just fascinated about Royal Ascot itself. What's it like inside? Give us a a quick tour. The media boxes, the corporate boxes. Is there a lot of sort of pomp and ceremony around the place? I mean, I I can't even get my head around what it would be like inside the actual track. Yeah, it's it's amazing. The the grandstand is huge, boys. Just can't even put into words. Think of the Randwick Grandstand times are by about four. It is just huge. And um, today there was just over 70,000 people on track. And um, it, it's it's just an extraordinary spectacle. Obviously, it's about tradition, the pomp and pageantry, the royals. Um, the, the biggest cheer all week, I think, was when Kate and William came down on Friday. It would have been in the royal carriage. Um, and that, that's a, um, something to behold as well. It's quite a tradition. And when... The royal carriages come down and they swing into the under the tunnel there at the grandstand. The English break out into song in three cheers. It's quite remarkable. They do it each and every day. And then one of the other traditions of Royal Ascot, which I find very English, is after the last, they all a lot of the crowd go to this area um, at the back of the grandstand, and they all start singing songs. The guy there singing um, a bit of a Hey Jude, Paul McCartney's birthday day, wasn't it, Dino? He's eighty. Yeah. Yeah, and they got the crowd singing, and they do that each and every day. So all these traditions date back many, many decades, and the English certainly do like their pomp and pageantry, and it's just a very, very special race day. And I know it's a long way to go to go to the races, but if if, it, if you haven't done it and you love your horse racing, it should be a bucket list item because it's a memorable experience. Did you offer Kate and William any of your stroganoff? off? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be invited back one day. Okay. <laughs> Just thought you might have taken some across in a doggy bag or something. <laughs> Great stuff, Ray. It's, it, it really has been a, an amazing week for Australia to to behold what we've been able to achieve over there with um, mm. Chris Waller, James McDonald. As I mentioned, three winners for him as well, and Nature Strip, and even Artoria's third today. It really has been a, a wonderful week, and thank you to bringing it, uh, bringing it all to us, Ray, and, and you'll be back next week. Yep, and thanks so much, Ryan, for holding the fort for Dino and um, and myself. And and it, it has been a great week. And just following on James McDonald, you mentioned his three winners. He created a huge impression over here. And um, some of our listeners may have heard of Matt Chapman, the controversial English TV racing presenter. But he declared James McDonald the best jockey in the world after one of his winners at Royal Ascot this week. That's saying a lot, given that Ryan Moore 
was leading jockey with six winners, but Jay Mackey, certainly, if he's not the best jockey in the world, he's definitely top three, boys. Yeah, we're, we might be biased, but uh, he is just mm-hmm. such a wonderful pilot, isn't he? Ray, um, fly safely home, and uh, we'll hear from you next week on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Thanks so much, Brian and Dino.